Hello everyone, this is uh, Alberto Ferro, your host at uh, Where is the Music podcast. As you're getting ready for a new musical investigation, preparing your ears and imagination for another journey in the world of music, I would like to remind you that Where is the Music podcast has no sponsor. It relies entirely on donations from listeners like yourselves. You can find a link to my website, albertoferro.com, and to my Patreon account in the episode description. If you like what I do and would like me to continue doing it, I encourage you to become a supporter of the podcast, which publishes an episode every week. Thank you for listening, and now let's find out where is the music. Hello everyone, welcome back to Where is the Music podcast. Today I wanted to talk about the difference between music as we hear it today and as we were listening to when we were children. But why would that be important? Most of the people who develop a strong connection with music in adult life have first studied music as children. If you have spent your childhood in a family that plays music either at an instrument or on the stereo, you probably feel that music has always had an important role in your life. Very often students describe their musical experience as something along the lines of uh, I really enjoyed music, I was able to play but I never studied theory or understood exactly what I was playing. Which I find odd because I'm fairly convinced that understanding music is something that a child might be better at than an adult, as we shall see, perhaps today. And even if you did not learn an instrument, but you always felt you have a strong connection with music, It is likely the case that you had that connection since you were very young and that has developed regardless the style or genre of music you were exposed to. I have spent some time in the past 10-15 years investigating the ways in which we invent music, we generate musical ideas, in the ways in which Imagination, which comes from image, can be applied to sound as well. It is a field of the research that deals with music as much as with musicology, musical analysis, but also psychologies, neuroscience, and other more abstract fields like linguistics and aesthetics. All of these fields, of which I'm certainly not an expert, might bring some light to the way we deliver music education. Because in the end, music involves the perception and understanding of sound, which is neuroscience, psychology, aesthetics, the way we generate and articulate ideas, which has to do with philosophy and linguistics, and of course, the way we understand and appreciate music. Just to give you an idea of where I'm going with this, it is quite a common opinion that music is a language, and as a language it has a grammar, a logic, 
and a structure. It is best if we learn it when we are children, because apparently children absorb and internalize new ideas faster than an adult. And like a language, we can use music to express ourselves proficiently. I am not at all of the opinion that music is a language and at the same time I do hold the view that music education is essential to the development of children. It seems to me that the way children respond to music, play with it, learn to coordinate themselves at an instrument or by moving in tempo through dancing. All of these are essential parts of the education of a human being that allow the child to be more aligned with his surroundings, enabling him to develop sensitivity for what he hears and for what he feels as a response to what he hears. Listening, after all, is a necessary tool for living together. Listening is the first step towards human empathy. So the question, what was music like when I was a child, becomes important. you might discover that when you were a child music was a phenomenon you had the opportunity to participate in perhaps with freedom and playfulness which later on might have been replaced by more responsible and knowledgeable ways of thinking for example music is good and fun but we need to participate with it with a certain degree of discipline and commitment with a solid method with goals and practice in place you might also realize that as i did a few years ago when i started pondering about it that music wasn't necessarily made by instruments or composed by people or performed by other people when i was a child music was just there like an out of this world phenomenon as a child i certainly never wondered what music is and where did it come from but i took for granted that the sound coming out of my mother's cassette player was an existing phenomenon something that belonged to reality as much as the table chairs and kitchen tools near the cassette player home. If I recall, that cassette player often played a collection of classical music that had a few masterpieces in it. I remember Brandenburg Concerto by Bach, a Mozart Sonata for piano, a movement from uh, the New World Symphony by Dvorak and uh, the famous Minuet by Boccherini. 
and the also famous prelude in C sharp minor by Rachmaninoff and other pieces. Mm. It makes a big difference considering that for a child all this music does not really have neither a title nor a composer. It, it is not even performed on actual instruments, meaning I didn't know what an orchestra was or a piano or a harpsichord, nor what a sonata or a symphony were. So all these sounds were just pure beauty and they triggered my imagination in very different ways from the way I do music today as a professional, very much involved in practical music making dealing with technique, forms and harmony. I'm trying to go. As a teacher, I know that children are not that interested in the cause and effect phenomenon we might be fascinated by as adults, as much as they are about a parallel imaginative world made of entities and colors and forces and emotions and completely invented temporary beings and creatures that just fill the world and add playfulness to the reality of a child. None of these things, entities, have a name, which makes it very difficult for adults to deal with. But children engage with them constantly. And as a teacher, I always try to let the class go into that direction, a direction in which imagination rules but on the other side as a creative musician as a composer myself I have learned the names of everything I use in my creative activity I know the name of notes chords I know formulas I know the building blocks of small and huge musical forms I have studied the physics of musical phenomenon and I could probably articulate a description of how sound functions and maybe explain 
why certain things sound better than others based on the nature of sound. I know how musical instrument works and so on and so on. This might help the process of crafting new music or performing it well in front of an audience. But from the creative perspective, it is very hard to imagine new things. My commitment to awareness and knowledge has factually limited the potential of my imagination. I cannot imagine things without giving them a name anymore. Certainly, I cannot do that as I was capable of when I was a child. In a sense, by bringing knowledge and awareness to our creativity, we are at the same time challenging the playfulness that was intrinsic in a child's world and that has no boundary or rule. A child plays a variety of games at once. The rules of the games keep changing. The boundaries and limitations of each game are not clear nor defined, neither they are stable. The term playfulness itself might suggest playing a fun game, but might also suggest that fun comes from the act of playing itself, playing in this or that way, playing in both ways at once, playing in no way at all, but just playing without a purpose nor a goal, without a trajectory nor a method. composition written down by old wise composers who studied very hard. It was just a very playful game of imagination. Each piece was a journey, a small adventure into some unknown world. How come sound allows for all of this? It is, to me, still a mystery. Possibly the main reason why I'm making this podcast is because it is such a beautiful mystery that 
attempting to make sense of it cannot remain a solitary endeavor. There were no notes or chords to speak of. There was no melody, nor complex forms to identify in music. And this is quite a revelation given that most of my activity as a teacher concerns the adoption of a shared musical vocabulary. It is a priority for me to enable a student to identify what they are listening to, whether it's melody, a chord, or a particular section of the piece. How do I justify this contradiction? So here is the problem. As a child, I connected with music without any methodology nor technical vocabulary. I just related to it, thanks to the imagination that the music was triggering. Today, a great part of my teaching involves teaching a methodology and a technical vocabulary. Do you see the contradiction? My resolution comes from the realization that adults, most adults perhaps, not being children anymore, need to name things. Sometimes just to be able to see them, in this case, to hear them. ever had the experience of transcribing a piece of music, you perhaps noticed how it transformed from an inspiring imaginative vision, perhaps filled with emotions and character, into a series of practical matters. Notes on the score, keys on the piano, chords and rhythms that are not quite so special nor perhaps original. In other words, it seems like you have turned the magic phenomenon into some tangible matter. This to me shows the gap between music with a capital M, this beautiful phenomenon that carries so many ideas and emotions, and its dependency on our practical capabilities. One of the greatest things you can see when attending a musical concert by a high-quality performer is witnessing in real time the perfect alignment of playfulness, childlike playfulness, and instrumental virtuosity, which is just the result of thousands of hours spent resolving practical matters. Two examples come to mind in this very moment. In the classical world, every time I see the Russian pianist Gregory Sokolov, I am amazed at his virtuosic piano technique 
and I can't avoid to entertain the idea that behind this big old man who seemed quite private and introvert there is one of the most extravagant original child one could ever meet. His music is so playful that only a true child can create it. The second example is of Prince. I recently watched a video in which the great pop rock artist is performing a guitar solo in a famous concert celebrating the Beatles. The song is While My Guitar Gently, gently weeps and the solo he plays along with the way he actually plays the guitar in the moment again showed me how profound and meaningful could be to just let your inner child take over in that moment prince looks like perhaps a 10 years old child who is having the time of his life composing and improvising is for me the daily practice of imagination through music similar to the way I was imagining through listening when I was a child I need to focus forget about names chords frameworks and patterns forget about the rules of the game and search for all the free associations that a sound allows me to make. A question that I often ask myself when I feel uninspired or unmotivated, when my notebook is empty and I'm struggling to write anything, sometimes I wonder, what would the eight years old child within me like to hear to have some fun at this very moment? With this thought, I leave you and I will see you the next time here at the Where is the Music podcast.
Thanks for listening to Where is the Music podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, look up for others. I made a few. I publish an episode every week roughly, investigating each time a different aspect of music, the music making, the music listening, the meaning of music and its relevance in our lives. It is very helpful for me if you like, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Where is the Music is on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. If you like to support me, you are free to do so through Patreon. Link in description. Thank you again. Until next time.